Welcome to Behind the Fiction, the book lovers podcast, where we deliver interviews, insights, and ideas to passionate book lovers who want to stay and the stories they love. I'm Alexa Larberg, and this is episode 34 for November 13th, 2019. And today's guest is T.R. Cameron discussing the Scions of Magic series. This is a brand new series, chock full of fun, New Orleans magic, and a bit of magic disguised like voodoo. This series comes on the tail of the Federal Agents of Magic series, which was a gigantic hit. So I'm sure this one will be too. They're different, they have different themes and aspects. T.R. Cameron tells us about those things and why he's excited about this series, even though he still loves the Federal Agents of Magic series. This one's just a bit different and we're excited. So give this episode a listen, Subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to this podcast. Now, let's get to the show. T.R. Cameron, Tom, welcome back to Behind the Fiction. Good to see you, Steve. Great to have you here again, and it's really cool that you have a new series. It is. It is. A lot of fun. Scions of Magic is the new series. It just launched. Um, the, first, the first title is Magic Street Boogie. So... <laughs> As a little bit of a recap for people who maybe missed your first episode on here, you're the author of the Federal Agents of Magic series, which was a very popular Aura Saren series that went eight books, I believe, right? So far. We're going to get back to it eventually. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't realize that. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Because, yeah, people love that. And uh, if you haven't read that, uh, the first book is Magic Ops. And there is, just earlier this week, we released a box set for the first four books in the series. So that's just called Federal Agents of Magic Box Set 1. So you can find that at Amazon, but we're here to talk about Federal or the Scions of Magic. Right. And so can you just sort of give us a little bit of a setup for this series? And then I, I want to dig into that part of it a little bit. Okay. Well, it, this kind of comes out of, I was writing Federal Agents of Magic and that's kind of intense political uh, lots of shooting and killing and, you know, fun stuff. But I was, I was getting a little, I don't know, my creative well was getting a little drained on it. And I talked to Martha Carr and she said, you know, when, when that happened to me, I went a little more YA. I went something that was more hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, maybe you want to do that. And so I, I took her advice and I've got a character that's, you know, not a federal agent, just sort of a normal person coping with some weirdness in her town. Um, and so far, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, the same sort of snappy, sarcastic dialogue and stuff that is in everything I do. <laughs> that is your trademark, so exactly, to speak. Yes. Exactly. Yes. I mean, it's not my exclusive trademark, but I will own that it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And why not? Because readers love that kind of thing. I know I love it in, in, a, in a character, kind of a smart alecky kind of character. Uh-huh. Um, I, let's, let's take like three steps back. So that you mentioned there's this general idea to write something a little bit lighter to get over some some burnout due to the extreme nature of some of the other books. How do you or you and Martha build a story world and a story arc for a series that's, you know, welling up from nothing? Right. Well, it's it's not quite from nothing. So it's still in Orisaren, so mm-hmm. I still have all of that to draw on. Um, and she and I and Michael Anderley got together in Slack and, and talked it out and kind of said, 
you know, what cool things can we do? And his idea that he brings like great ideas. So his idea was that we should have a pacifist dwarf. <laughs> because, you know, dwarves are supposed to be this fiery fighting sort of thing. No, mine, uh, Michael called him Zen bartender. So now his name in the book is Zeb because he's the Zen bartender. And that, that'll come out a little bit more. In the first two books, we don't get all the way into that. Um, but that was Michael's thing. And uh, Martha gave me all sorts of pointers because this is not something I've written before. I've been, I've been a lot darker, generally speaking. Um, so she helped me really kind of craft the character and the attitude and that kind of stuff. And how about, how about the setting, you know, the location and, you know, the, the general problem, things like that? Right. Well, um, it's in New Orleans because New Orleans is one of my favorite cities. Um, my wife and I, it's her favorite place on earth. So I vacationed there more than anywhere. Um, and I love the idea of, so we've got busking in there. We've got- You've uh, got what? Busking, you know, street performing. Okay. All right. Now, so I did not the, know that that was a term yeah, for street oh, yeah. performing. One of, our, one of the things our protagonist does to make ends meet is street performing. Um, nice. So New Orleans just lends itself to so much. So there's a little um, magic hiding under voodoo. So it's pretending to be voodoo, but it's actually actually magic. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking of, of building upon a villain that I loved in the Lyra Chronicles. Um, so she had uh, Razdon, who was mm -hmm. a half Atlantean, right? Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, what if we learn more about Atlantis? What if we see what they're doing now? And both Michael and Martha said it was okay for me to kind of build out that part of the world a little bit, um, obviously with their guidance. <laughs> so, um, so that's the villains, right? So we have a gang of Atlantean villains in New Orleans, and we have a gang of human villains who are fighting the Atlantean villains, and then we have our heroes kind of right in the crossfire of the two. And what do our heroes, are, are our heroes trying to accomplish something? Or are they trying to salvage something? What's, what's their cross to bear here? So, so the main character, uh, Callie, is just kind of trying to get along with her life. You know, mm -hmm. and all this stuff keeps popping up around her and messing stuff up. But she's an idealist. So she's not going to let bad things happen to good people. Mm -hmm. um, and early on, she meets, and this was another Michael and Martha idea, someone who was, who was falsely imprisoned in Travulsum Prison on Oris Aaron, Okay. who was rescued by one of the characters from the other series, and then he's now in New Orleans. So he's working with Callie, the main character, to kind of uncover bigger stuff about his past. Okay. And We've also got a uh, detective who's kind of really unsure about both of them. And uh, um, Callie's parents left her an inheritance, but she doesn't know what it is. So she's trying to puzzle that out. Oh, yeah. interesting. All right. We, we hear, I hear in, in my ears, this tap, 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 tap. You and I talked about it a little bit before we started. Um, let's, let's, since it's now a part of the show, what's that about? Right. Well, uh, author challenge 101. Um, <laughs> I have a laptop. I'm getting a new laptop in a couple weeks, right? And I was so excited about this, ready for it to come. And so my old one got upset 
and now it's just typing T's at random, seven, eight T's at a time. And when you say at random, you're not touching it. You're just sitting there. No hands on the keyboard, and it just starts typing T's. Exactly right. It's messing up passwords. It's messing up emails. It's, it's a nightmare. Now, do we need to ask sharp-eyed readers to look for that in the manuscript? <laughs> I, I'm hoping the spell checker will catch it. But actually, when I'm writing, I'm using a, a Bluetooth keyboard. So... Ah. It's happening a little less, although the other keyboard still occasionally activates and types a T where it doesn't belong. Okay. Now, are you a technology guy, or are you a, are you a guy who uses technology because you have to? I'm I'm a technology guy, but I also seem to have kind of a curse where technology <laughs> is concerned. Okay. Um. So right about now, major challenges. Like a month ago, I had to reload my other computer, my desktop computer because it had suddenly decided that it wasn't gonna run half my programs. I don't know why, still don't know why. Just had to start over. It's bad magic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about the cover. It is a striking cover. So walk us through the cover creation process. Well, you know, that's, that's a black box to me because okay. Martha handles it, but my part of it was that it was gonna be New Orleans, Mm -hmm. that we had to have this compass on it because she wears a compass necklace that is significant within the story. So mm -hmm. I want that compass in there. And I kind of wanted something, you know, really colorful. I'm a big fan of colorful colors. So I've been asking for that all along. And I've got to say the designer did a phenomenal job. And the designer is uh, Jake Caleb Designs. Uh, Jake, he does a lot of covers for us, and his he has a very unique style. But this is he doesn't for us at least he doesn't do a lot of urban fantasy. So when this came up, I'm like, that looks like a Jake cover, but that's that's really cool, and it's unlike some of the other things he's done. Yeah, the typography is something I've kind of never seen before. Like I I'm I'm really impressed with what he did with the front, and I got to say. I've seen the second book's cover, and it pops even more than the first. Oh, good. I have not seen that yet. So if we get it, we'll try and slip that in here as well. But it's going to have to get in quickly if we're going <laughs> to be able to make that happen. So where are you in the writing process now? Are you on book two, or have you no, moved book, on beyond that? Book two is done. Um, I'm starting on book three. Okay. And I've got this one envisioned as, um, like the last one, plan for eight. And if it's well-received and so forth, go further. So um, in the next book, I'll be setting up the stuff, the, the pivotal stuff for book four. Okay. And four is always the end of one arc and the start of another. So we'll have a twist out of book four. So what do you mean setting up the stuff? What exactly does that mean? Um, okay, so it's probably pretty clear to anyone who's in book two that eventually we're going to have to go to Atlantis. Well, since book two is not out yet, no one's in right. book two. Right. <laughs> but once that, once they are, you know, it's, it's, I mean, if you're going to introduce new Atlantis, you eventually have to go to new Atlantis. Right. Mm -hmm. So we'll be setting up, setting up to go there in book three. And then it's my expectation that we'll actually arrive in book four. Okay. And now, this, this whole place that they've created. Is there of any fear on your part of having burned out a little bit on an, on an eight-book uh, series where you were releasing them very rapidly? Is there any fear that the same thing could happen here? I don't think so because I don't the, – the burnout wasn't about being tired of the characters or being tired of 
the story I was telling. It was just the weight. It was just the weight of the the dark. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know the dark stuff, and I like that. I like to read it. I'm a big fan of grim dark fantasy, but I just discovered that after writing eight, I needed to take a little break. And the cool thing is, again, Martha told me I should bring some of the characters into this series. Mm-hmm. And so they show up in book two briefly, and it was wonderful to revisit those characters and put them in, in conversation with the new ones. That is, I love that idea. As a reader, I love that when characters that you know just pop up in another, in another yeah. book that you didn't expect from the same author. That's, that's a really clever idea from Martha. You know, it's amazing to me how often Martha and Michael just come up with these gems seemingly off the top of their heads. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, that's got to be just a skill acquired through doing it and doing it and doing it, plus a lot of natural talent. But yes, yes, I, I'm, I'll, I'll admit I'm a little envious on that one. I wish I could make those inspirational jumps. But maybe it's easier know, maybe to do after, that. Maybe after I've written what Martha got, like 70 or 80 books by now. Yeah, and let's not even count. Uh, let's yeah. not even count for Michael. Um, and, and yeah, maybe it's easier if you're not just like, hip deep in the story all the time right that could be so what's the release schedule like for this one is it roughly the same as federal agents of magic yep once a month um this one released on tuesday i think instead of thursday so i don't know if we're going forward with tuesdays or thursdays but the plan is monthly that that works for me and seems to work for the readers and it's and it's fun that way, you know. You you never get far enough away that you lose the connection to the characters. Which is yes, really- I yes I I love a, a monthly release myself. I have a lot of authors that I read who try and hit the monthly thing, and it just, especially if you can do a pre order, and it just kind of shows up just when you're thinking, I wish I had another one of these books to read, and then boom, there it is. Right. Yep. Well, Tom, thank you so much for being here again. Congratulations on the early success of this series. The, uh, the early reviews are fantastic. Uh, the, the, the book seems to be selling really well. It looks like you have another winner on your hands. I'm incredibly lucky, and the uh, LMBPN fan base is just phenomenal. That they are. That they are. Thank you guys so much for all that you do for LMBPN and for uh, tuning in when we do these videos and podcasts. Thank you so much. Thank you.